You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. Wait a minute. Do you still think politics is boring? Well, not when you can say fun words like cacus. Yes, it's fun words like cacus and more. With the intellectual, intersexual, and intersectional, Nicole Sandler on NicoleSandler.com. Well, we're only at the middle point of the week, and oh my goodness, so much has happened already. So yesterday we spoke with Lisa Graves and got a laugh to talk about the latest indictment to come down. Today, as promised, Marcy Wheeler of EmptyWheel.net is back to kind of put it all in perspective for us. (laughs) Here we go again. Uh, So indictment number four for Donald Trump dropped on Monday night, a little earlier than we expected, but we knew it was coming. And Marcy Wheeler returns, and I'm very grateful (laughs) for that, uh, to talk about all of this together. So this is the fourth and and possibly final indictment for Donald Trump, at least the last one that we are expecting, that we know about. You think it's the last one? Um, I would be... surprised if DOJ superseded, at least on the stolen documents one, particularly if either Walt Nata or uh, De Oliveira were to were to plead guilty and cooperate. But um, and, and I expect I expect we're going to see Trump's co-conspirators being charged federally. But if I were Jack Smith, I would charge them in cells. So, for example, I'd charge Sidney Powell and her co-conspirators. I would charge Rudy Giuliani and his co-conspirators. Um, and so I, I would imagine that they will, tr- they will do nothing to disrupt the existing indictment. But the existing indictment is built such that you could provide a lot more evidence than what is in the indictment. The indictment basically... Um, probably deliberately is intended only to show what is already basically public knowledge, what was mm-hmm. in the January 6th report, right? Mm-hmm. What we saw in the Georgia indictment. Um, but that doesn't mean that they can't provide a lot more evidence about what uh, Boris Epstein, if he's co-conspirator number six, what Sidney Powell, co-conspirator number three, what they were doing, which is not actually fleshed out in that federal indictment. Gotcha. So we're going to we're going to go through where we are on all of these things. But before we get into that, I need to I need to briefly ask you about another story that dropped yesterday that received very little attention because Donald Trump, as usual, sucks all the air out of the room. Charles McGonigal had a plea deal offered. He pled guilty to one count of conspiring to violate sanctions today. Will you remind everybody who Charles McGonigal is and why this story is important? Sure. Charles McGonigal uh, was moved by Jim Comey from D.C. He had a very tangential role in the Russian investigation in D.C. And he was moved to New York as the head of counterintelligence there, which is a pretty big deal. 
um, both within the hierarchy of the FBI, but also, you know, New York is where counterintelligence in the United States is at. And while he was still at the FBI, he started an affair and potentially to pay for the affair, to pay for basically keeping this woman, um, he entered, he, he started doing business with this Albanian guy. And that crime is still pending. So he's charged in D.C. with basically not telling the FBI that he was was going to Albania and going to Albania on on the dime of this Albanian. So that that one is while he's still at the FBI, he leaves the he retires from the FBI in 2018. And then he well, sorry, even before he leaves the FBI, he is setting up the daughter of um, this Russian, Evgeny Fokin, um, who is described as a businessman but believed to be more than that. He is setting her up with a tour or some internship or some tie to the NYPD. And then after he retires from the FBI in 2018, he starts doing business with Oleg Deripaska. Right. And that's uh, and what he pled guilty to yesterday was it just yesterday? I've lost. It that. was just yesterday. And I and I'm, I still haven't seen whether there was a separate statement of a statement of offense filed. Um, there was just a very thin uh, criminal information. Um, but what he pled guilty to yesterday is just a part of the work that he was doing for Deripaska uh, from August until November 2021, he was doing open source research on a Deripaska rival. Deripaska was hoping to get the rival um, sanctioned. He's since been sanctioned, so now they're both sanctioned. Um, and he was going to pay uh, McGonagall a ton of money if he succeeded in getting the rival sanctioned as well. Um, but in so doing, he was basically laundering money and hiding that he was being paid by Deripaska to do that. So that's what he pled guilty to yesterday. Thus far, there's no allegation that he shared classified information or inside information with Deripaska. Uh, and as I said, the D.C. case is still pending. Uh, the, the plea deal was harsher than I expected it to be. I, You know, like there were times... McGonagall is represented by a guy named Seth Ducharme. Seth okay. Ducharme was Bill Barr's fixer. Seth uh-huh. Ducharme is the guy who made sure that Rudy Giuliani would not get charged for um, running off to Ukraine and getting Russian disinformation to use against the Bidens. Okay, so okay. very corrupt role, just stunningly corrupt role at DOJ. So now he's representing Charles McGonagall, which I found curious from the beginning. And throughout... Um, Ducharme was in some, like, right before this plea deal came together in June, Seth Ducharme was, like, making all the signs of of doing um, what's called gray mail, an an attempt to demand so much classified information that the government has to drop their case. Um, And and he was saying, he was like, well, you know, Charles McGonagall used to be the head of counterintelligence in New York, and I used to be Bill Barr's top aide, so we know all the secrets, and you have to give us all the secrets. And then, like, and then there was this moment in July where DOJ was like, okay, well, let us respond to that before we have a hearing. Uh, And, oh, by the way, we provided a little more, um, a little more discovery in late June. And then, like, days after that, McGonagall withdrew the effort to do gray mail. Uh, we now know that day that he withdrew the effort was the day that he first signed the plea agreement. Um, so that's where we are there. It looks like he probably tried to get a cooperation agreement because there's reference to proffers in there. Uh-huh. But um, anyway, so, and then the, the other thing about it is he, with the plea that he entered into yesterday, like Ducharme had sort of said, well, I'm going to gray mail you, but he also said, well, both of these criminal charges are going to be uh, dealt with together in, in some joint settlement. That's often how it happens. That's how, for example, if Donald Trump, against all expectations, were ever to enter into a plea deal, we would expect him to want to do a kind of universal one. Anyway, uh, uh, in the hearing yesterday, the judge made clear that his punishment in New York uh, and and the range for the, the standard range for punishment from the probation office is 57 to 60 months. So okay. basically five years. Right. Uh, and then, um, 
that that may be consecutive to whatever he's punished for in D.C., which means he actually could be looking at, like, say, seven years in jail prison. Um, well, for- and again, this, he was a he was a FBI assistant director who was obviously, you know, in bed with at least one Russian or, or Albanian um, doing shit he shouldn't be doing. So it, it, it is a big deal, even though we're not hearing yeah, a ton yeah. about it. I in mean, the press. I think people overstate. Um, how involved he was in the Russian and the Mueller investigation, they overstate the degree to which DOJ found evidence that he was, that he had sold out to Russia. Um, but, you know, people forget that uh, Mitch McConnell and and um, Rand Paul both were, you know, cuddling up to Oleg Deripaska in the same period, trying to get the aluminum factory in, in um, Kentucky. And, and Deripaska was was you know Deripaska had a central role in the Russian investigation in 2016, and yet you know he was still considered not that controversial afterwards. And and so um, I can see why somebody who thought he was really smart thought he could manage Oleg Deripaska, but it never works out that way. People, I don't think people, I think are always arrogant about the degree to which they can stave off Oleg Deripaska. <laughs> Oh boy. Uh, so that's, that, that's all happening. And Marcy Wheeler is covering all this stuff too. It's not only the Trump indictments, although that, that's a big part of the reporting right now at emptywheel.net. So let's, all right, let's get back to that. Cause now we have four cases, four different indictments of Donald Trump to different degrees started in New York with Alvin Bragg. That's the Stormy Daniels, um, uh, pay off money, um, hush money. That is, let's, yeah, that is an attempt to cheat to get elected in 2016. Yes. So, so everyone's like, oh, it's just hush payments. I'm like, yeah, it's hush payments that worked until after he was elected. And then after he was elected, he engaged, he's allegedly engaged in financial fraud to cover up the cover-up that he used to get elected, but it's still cheating to get elected. Oh, sure. And let's not forget that Michael Cohen was convicted and served time for this crime in this case already. So we've already had somebody jailed over this. So that's the the first case that's hanging out there. Uh, The second one is in Palm Beach County. It's Jack Smith, the special prosecutor. His first indictment against Trump was for the confidential documents that were kept at Mar-a-Lago and moved surreptitiously from here to New Jersey and back and hidden. And the espionage, he's charged with a, 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 at least one charge of espionage in that count. 32 right? charges 30. of espionage. And they're not they're not confidential. Like Hillary Clinton allegedly kept one one email that had a C for confidential on one. it. Uh, Donald Trump is accused of keeping 32 documents that many of them are top secret SCI blah 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 so these are things that are so classified that um his lawyers will have to get read into programs to be able to read the actual documents wow okay so i mean these are big deals the third one also from jack smith this is in dc this is the one uh donald trump charged on four counts um, uh, dealing with January 6th. There are six unnamed, unindicted co-conspirators. We thought that was a lot until this week. But that's the big January 6th case. We've been saying, all right, is he ever going to be held accountable for his role in January 6th? And Jack Smith in this one, although it's a pretty big uh, indictment, it was like 45 pages, went pretty narrowly, didn't charge anyone else, just charged Donald Trump alone here with, I guess... The intention of getting this to trial quickly um, and concentrating on um, things that Trump did or actually or didn't do, I guess, and leaving aside some of the the charges that we that at least I thought he would have been charged with that had to do with speech. And I'm guessing this is Jack Smith being. Um, smart, being sly, charging only the things that he knows he can easily Relatively speaking, um, get a conviction on and leaving any First Amendment questions, anything that, you know, anticipating the pushback from Trump's people that, oh, he has the right to free speech. Jack Smith sort of gives that 
he says, okay, we'll stipulate to that, but here's what he actually did, and this is what we're charging him on. So he went pretty narrow in what could have been a much wider uh, indictment yeah, here. I, I think it was a mistake for people. I mean, the January 6th committee said, oh, yeah, let's get him for insurrection or whatever. You know, that was not never going to be realistic. And it mm-hmm. wasn't going to be realistic for two reasons. One, I mean, yes, the First Amendment issues, but two, um, what Jack Smith did is entirely consistent with what has happened with a thousand other January 6th defendants. 310 other January 6th defendants were charged with the same crime, obstruction, that Donald Trump is. And DOJ has been laying this framework uh, since no later than July 2021. Mm-hmm. This is how... Um, and they've got, you know, they're they're before both the Supreme Court and the D.C. Circuit on how the how this law will be applied to Donald Trump and these other 300 people. Um, and it is a way to charge a crime that has never happened before. And it is a way to charge a crime that has the same punishment as sedition. Mm-hmm. So it has the same 20 year punishment once you I mean one of the things they've been doing with these other 300 people charged with the same crime is say, OK, well, all you did is go and occupy Mike Pence's seat. So you'll go to jail for six months and then, OK, well, you came in armed. You came in having planned for six months. You came in with 20 people. You came in, um, you know, screaming at cops, We're, you know, the same 1512 crime, we're going to send you to jail for seven years. And so it's a really flexible approach. It allows for a lot of nuance and sentencing. It allows allows for conspiracy indictments. Um, and it was really clever. And it, you know, it's again, it's been in the works since July 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, I, a lot of TV lawyers weren't paying attention and haven't been paying attention to a lot of the a lot of the precedents that are you know like the, there's this whole appellate battle which is what tv lawyers are qualified to do go talk about the appellate battle and they haven't been doing it um and then the other thing is that where doj has charged more aggressively right so they charge the oath keepers and the lead proud boys with sedition sedition is especially hard to charge the president of the United States with because of the structure of power. I mean, like you, like there are free speech issues, but then there are issues that arise from being commander in chief. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hundreds of people who are, are and have been prosecuted for January 6th really believed that if Trump invoked the insurrection act on January 6th and they, and there was a decent chance. I mean, Trump, Trump was Trump had made it a firing offense to deny that he could invoke the Insurrection Act. That is one of the reasons Mark Esper was fired right after the election, because he said that Trump couldn't invoke the Insurrection Act uh, during the summer riots. And so, um, you know, people really believed that Donald Trump was going to invoke the Insurrection Act, and there really is legal basis for that kind of stuff. And so to then charge sedition or insurrection really creates problems because of separation of power, because of the expansive role of the commander in chief, whereas obstruction, you know, then the really clever thing about obstruction, which I think has been missed, um, the commander in chief, the president's power is very expansive, but one place where he clearly does not have a role Mm -hmm. in the Constitution is in deciding who won the election. So one place where it really is up to Congress and the vice president and the president is supposed to be the the hell out of there is what happens on January 6th as the vice president opens envelopes and they count the vote. And so um, it, you know, it really is a clever solution. It really is a narrow solution. And, I, you know, a lot of people for, for years have been going, oh, sedition, sedition, sedition. It was just never going to happen. Right. Um, one other thing, though, you did ask me if there's going to be another indictment. Yeah. And, and one thing where we might expect another separate indictment is on the financial aspect. So a lot of the questions that are being asked of witnesses, like, did, did Trump really know he lost? are nice to have for the crimes that have already been charged, but are actually really critical if uh, if Jack Smith ever wants to charge Trump for fraudulently raising money, promising that he was going to do something about voter protection or right. voter vote, vote fraud, and instead using it to pay lawyers for the next three years. And in fact, aren't there charges against other people um, uh, like Steve Bannon for just that, for fundraising ostensibly for you know, voter uh, integrity, but, but the money they pocketed. 
This was the logic of the build the wall prosecution for which uh, Bannon's co-defendants are now all, I think they're all in prison. Um, And even the ones who had serious medical issues got serious time. Right. And so Bannon goes to, Bannon goes to trial on that in, in November, if I'm remembering correctly, in New York State, um, because they're, they're basically charging this, the same charges. Uh, and so Bannon, if he meets the same fate as his co-defendants, is going to end up serving time in a New York State jail, which can't be pardoned by the president. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but it's also the logic behind how people, people, this passed. I mean, it was reported in real time, but people didn't notice. Um, Sidney Powell, the investigation of Sidney Powell started no later than September 2021. So of Trump's six co-conspirators described in the indictment, three of them, the investigation started in 2021. But you won't hear that on MSNBC or CNN. You'll hear it right here on Nicole Sandler's show. From Marcy Um, Wheeler. (laughs) And with Sidney Powell, they predicated the investigation on precisely this logic. When Sidney Powell was raising millions of dollars uh, to go file frivolous lawsuits, did she really believe that Dominion was owned by Venezuela and Ukraine and Martians? And did she really believe that? Or was she just telling those lies to raise money? And so, yeah, I mean, I think Sidney Powell could be charged with that uh, pretty easily. Um, That's how that investigation was understood to be predicated. But, um, you know, there's been more discussion about Donald Trump being charged with that and misusing the money that he raised. Uh, We'll see whether that ever happens. But that's the kind of thing that could go down the road as well. Right. And, and, and actually, if you think about it, it should be. I mean, the minute that the indictment, the fourth indictment dropped, there was another fundraising push from Trump. And reports are that he's spending a lot of this money raised ostensibly for his reelection bid on his legal defense. In fact, spending more on his legal problems than on his campaign. Correct. Although he um, has started a legal defense fund, uh-huh. which is sort of opaque giving that. Uh, so, I mean, you know, he's shifted how he's going to raise the money and, and, you know, uh, who knows, maybe he'll get another $10 million donation from Egypt, like he allegedly did in 2016 to pay for his legal bills so that he can spend what he does raise for on politics on the actual election. Um, he's going to have money to run. He is blowing through money at, a, at an enormous clip. Um, there was reporting in the last couple of days, in particular, a CNBC story saying that Rudy never got paid by Trump. <laughs> Sidney Powell never got paid by Trump. Jenna Ellis, um, there was already a complaint because she uh, is or was working for DeSantis that Trump won't pay anything for her legal right. defense. So, um, and, and it's going to be a contentious issue going forward with these people now actually charged. Rudy charged, Sidney charged, um, Jenna Ellis charged because uh, if they're having to pay for their own defense, they may flip more quickly than um, other oh, yes. people will. Uh, so all that is, is still brewing. And then finally, Friday night, it was it was told that charges were imminent back in January. It is now August. It was August 14th that um, Fonnie Willis, the D.A. of, of Fulton County, Georgia, stepped up to the microphone after a very long day of testimony where, where um, and, and a long day of voting. And so we get almost 100 pages. Um, four, was it 41 charges, 18 co-defendants, 30 unindicted co-conspirators? Um, sort of the opposite of the way Jack Smith did it, Fonnie Willis is throwing the kitchen sink at him. Now, I found her her presentation, her delivery, her confidence, I found her really impressive. The reaction, though, seems to be mixed. Do you agree with what she charged? Did she overstep, go too big? What do you think about this? And I think people, you know, like people looked at the RICO charge. So uh, Georgia has expansive RICO laws. Like Mm -hmm. normally you're not going to see a RICO charge at the federal level unless it's actually, you know, the Italian mafia. Um, but at the Georgia level, they have expansive RICO laws, and th- it's built off of certain predicate crimes. 
And so basically, and I, and I advise people to do this in my first post on this, a good way to read the indictment is to skip the RICO charge, skip charge one, which is like the first 70 pages of the indictment and read the rest of the individual mm. counts. So okay. read the other 40 counts. And those counts are all clearly Georgia crimes. They're all about don't lie to our members of co- our, our representatives. Don't lie to our, to our secretary of state. Don't come in here, bring people in from Illinois and try and trick our election workers into claiming there was fraud when there was not. Don't um, don't solicit our 16, the 16 electors who would have been electors had Trump actually won the state. Don't don't convince them to engage in forgery. Don't, uh, as Sidney Powell was accused of, don't go in and um, illegally access a, a computer account holding voting voting information mm-hmm. don't do that don't go don't go take that to a forensic firm and have people downloading it for another four months those are the those are the underlying georgia crimes and so particularly republicans have been trying to look at the at the um, rico charge which is like a conspiracy charge in dc right so right. there's stuff in there that's perfectly legal but that is part of proving the conspiracy and they're saying you know wow they're going to put donald trump in jail for tweeting it's like no they're not they're going to put Donald Trump in jail because he and people who were working with him were, um, you know, tormenting, tormenting Ruby Freeman so that she would lie and claim that there had been vote fraud. They are they are prosecuting Donald Trump because he he solicited. This is one of the again, the Georgia focused crimes. He solicited 16 officials, you know, mm-hmm. the, the Georgia electors. He solicited 16 of them to lie and say that they actually were the the duly elected electors rather than just forging documents to pretend they were. Those are the allegations. And they're about Georgia and they're about making sure that people from Illinois, uh, one of these people is is um, Kanye's publicist. publicist, people from Illinois can't come into Georgia and tamper in the election by by tormenting this woman who just did her civic duty to help count the vote in Fulton County. In fact, there's a video out now of this Kanye West publicist, uh, Trayanin Kuti, or, or however you pronounce her name, tra- talking to her and tra- try. <laughs> tra- no, trying to get uh, uh, Ruby to confess to something she didn't do and acting like she's on her side like she's there to help her i found it really disturbing yeah it's i mean and and it's um and one of the really fascinating things about those charges so there are um two charges tied to the lies that rudy giuliani told on december 10 2020 right um and those have a overt act in Jack Smith's DC indictment. Okay. So same thing. Rudy goes into Georgia and lies to, Con- to, to their house of representatives, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is the crime that he's charged for in Georgia. It's a Georgia crime. He's not charged for it as a separate crime. He's not charged at all in, in the DC indictment yet. Um, but in addition to that, one of the lies that Rudy is alleged to have told in that December 26, 2020 hearing, um, which is the same lie that Ruby Freeman is suing Rudy for in D.C., which is that um, that Ruby Freeman was trying to steal the vote, that she had taken a thumb drive, which we now know was actually ginger mint. She had taken a thumb drive to enter into the tabulator machine. Um, but in addition to that, there was this concerted effort to get, as you said, to get Ruby Freeman to, to confess to something that wasn't true. And one of the really fascinating things about that is there's these two guys whose names I had seen but hadn't really recognized, and um, I think their names are Chile and Hall. They're, they're two random guys in the Georgia indictment. They're not the you know Kanye publicist. They're right. not Rudy Giuliani. They're not Sidney Powell. They're not the people you're going to recognize. Yeah. But it, what's interesting about them is they are charged in both the Ruby Freeman uh, harassment charges yeah. And also the fake elector charges. And so they kind of bring it together in a way that is um, is is quite fascinating and quite um, 
devious, right? So that, you know, there is a direct tie between tormenting Ruby Freeman and the, you know, and getting the fake electors to claim that they were real electors. And it goes through these people that, you know, you and I probably have never really heard of. Right. Um, but, th- but they're involved, they're involved in both. Uh, one of them is on the phone with, with Jeffrey Clark in, in, uh, in DC trying to get him to convince DOJ to say that there was something wrong in Georgia. So it's a far tighter indictment than I think a lot of people appreciate. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, the RICO is built to make it easier for her to charge people, to add people, to flip people, to it's a it's a prosecutorial tool. Defense attorneys will tell you correctly that uh, con- conspiracy law really sucks. It makes it really hard to defend somebody. Um, and, and what's going to happen going forward is you've got Rudy facing crimes in Georgia, crimes that he can't be pardoned by Donald Trump. That's for. right, because they're state um, level. Because their state and Georgia, Georgia has uh, um, Brian Kemp, even if he wanted to, couldn't pardon these people. Um, he like there, there's a board and you have to serve five years beca- before you can ask for a pardon. So um, and, and Sidney Powell, for example, Sidney Powell's role in the as as uh, unnamed co-conspirator three in the D.C. indictment is very minor. It's like all her only overact overact there is Trump calls her up and says, we really need to include these dominion claims in lawsuits. And Sidney Powell does it from that point forward, even after. And and Trump still kind of highlights it, even after everyone else is like Sidney Powell, she's crazy. Um, And so in the D.C. indictment, her role is just that she keeps filing these crazy lawsuits about dominion. And Trump keeps repeating the dominion claims, even after he privately was saying, Sidney Powell, she's crazy. That's it in D.C. Mm-hmm. In Georgia, though, she's she's accused of hacking. Oh, right. So uh-huh. she's accused. There are four charges related to the to the voting machines in Coffee County. Um, Anna Bowers at Lawfare did this really long, really interesting post uh, yesterday about what was really going on there and how as the riot was unfolding in D.C., people in Georgia were going out to Coffee County to go get this. This um, like the idea, I think, was that as Rudy Giuliani was trying to get the delay in D.C., in Georgia, they were hoping to get this data to give some excuse to to say that they had to recount the vote. So Dominion is actually really central. But but Sidney Powell has far more criminal exposure in Georgia. And Donald Trump probably wasn't going to pardon her anyway. You right, know, like right. that, like if you've been watching um, Rolling Post has had great coverage of this in the last week. Uh, Trump's people are all trying to throw Sidney Powell under the bus. And so if you're Sidney Powell, um, you know, better to be the first one to flip than the last one to flip. And and she has far more criminal exposure in in Georgia than she does in D.C. Rudy has a ton as well. And Rudy right. is going broke. So we'll see what Rudy does. But <laughs> um, so in other words, the calculus, I did this post on, you know, the, the old prisoner's dilemma game theory. Like, what do you do if you know that your co-conspirator might might flip? How do you try and imagine that? Well, that's what's going on. But now you've got the Georgia indictment where people are actually charged, the D.C. indictment where people are not yet charged, people like Rudy and Sidney Powell right. are not yet charged. Um, well, what are they going to do with all that? How are they going to play that out? Well, in fact, this one post that you have, the various kinds of Georgia crimes in the RICO indictment, everyone should read. It's it's so informative and it's laid out beautifully. And one thing you said that I highlighted, and it, it goes to this, so you were, these are alleged crimes that arise from Freeman's status as a Fulton County election worker and as such are properly the concern of Fonnie Willis, not Jack Smith. And then you wrap it up, you say all of which is to say that even though both the RICO charge and Trump's conspiracies map the same conduct, they tie to different crimes with different kinds of exposure for different people. And you you separate them here. So, yeah, they're both going after, in some cases, the same crime, but they're in different ways and they're charged differently so both can go side by side right and and neither one really infringes on the other right and then of course um there are parallel charges to about eight of the georgia charges in michigan because uh in in michigan dana nestle charged the fake electors all 16 of the fake electors whereas in georgia fonnie willis only charged three of the fake electors and then um there was a similar uh tabulator data uh 
crime, alleged crime. There were two. There was Antrim County, which people have heard of. And then there were another set of machines um, that all were brought to Oakland County. Um, and that one is being charged by basically a special prosecutor because Dana Nessel had a conflict. Um, and, and that one charges the GOP uh, candidate who ran against Dana Nessel, which is her conflict. But anyway, so three people are charged in a tabulator crime in in Michigan. Something like seven people are charged in Georgia. Sixteen people are charged with as fake electors in Michigan. Three people are charged in Georgia. Georgia, unlike Michigan, charged the mirror crimes as well. So in other words, for the, there's the three fake electors. And then there are the Trump people who were soliciting the fake electors to engage in this in this forgery and fraud. So um, those how the, those are how they all fit together. And and again, it's going to change. It may change the way people work. And importantly, because it's Georgia, mm-hmm. Brian Kemp will tell you that Donald Trump is the reason Republicans have lost Georgia for three straight elections. Oh, and he's and been he's tweeting all right. along and saying this stuff uh, on. Right. right. Uh, so you've got a you've got an institutional and, and reasonably and I don't mean this that they're good people, <laughs> but a reasonably functioning GOP in Georgia mm-hmm. uh, that wants to start winning elections again. And one way some of the people in Georgia have chosen to do that whether in good faith or not, uh, they have said, we're not Donald Trump. Yeah, um, right? And and so, uh, and, and only three of the fake electors are charged. Um, although Burke Jones, who is now the lieutenant governor, um, after the indictment, uh, the Georgia said they're, they're going to appoint a special prosecutor. Uh, again, Fonnie Willis had a conflict with him. And so now Georgia is going to see whether he get he's, he's co-conspirator eight in the Georgia indictment. And so he okay. may get at it. We'll see. Um, so point being that at will so far, the Republican party institutionally has stood with Trump. They have bought his stories that uh, by indicting him, democratic, prosecutors and judges are, you know, are attacking Trump's people. Um, and Georgia is somewhere where you could see that begin to chip away, partly because Trump needs to win Georgia if he wants to be president again, partly because Georgia's Republicans don't want to have anything to do with him, and partly because the way Fonnie Willis charged it in Georgia, there's actually more outsiders charged than there are institutional GOP politicians where it's like right. in 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 michigan where the michigan uh, gop party has kind of collapsed into hilarity and brokenness um there there are 19 key republicans who are charged so and, those and, dynamics will be interesting to see right and in michigan dana nettle brought brought these charges that were pretty low-key it was quiet there wasn't a lot of coverage of it but you know here we are this is a pretty hefty charge against these fake electors now that leads me to wonder what about arizona nevada new mexico pennsylvania and wisconsin who are also in that fake electors thing do we have any indication that that um charges might be brought against the fake electors in any of those states um, they wouldn't be in Wisconsin and, and Pennsylvania for two separate reasons, uh, be, because the way the law is written, like, um, Ken, Kenneth Cheeseborough, who's charged, who's charged in Georgia and he's co-conspirator four mm-hmm. in, in DC, he's unnamed co-conspirator four in DC. He wrote down in December of 2020, he's like, oh, well, this will be fine for, for, uh, Wisconsin and, uh, It'll be fine for Wisconsin, and I'm forgetting which other state. Pennsylvania, the fake New Mexico, electors, maybe Nevada. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, not Nevada. Nevada okay. was a problematic one, oh, right. but okay. but the way in which state law in Nevada is written, they can't be prosecuted in state law. Now, the two most implicated people in Nevada were both immunized for testimony in D.C. So they and and. If you look at the D.C. indictment, the way in which Nevada is treated there is is rather different. So I don't know what will happen to Nevada on the on the national level. Those guys can't be charged because they've been immunized. Um, But 
in Pennsylvania, the fake electors were smart enough to write caveating language saying we don't, we're only going to use this if X, Y, and Z happens. Okay. And, and that's one of the things that's in the, in, I think in both indictments or certainly the federal one, they're like, after that happened, everyone in Rudy's orbit is like, Oh my God, we can't let anybody find out what Pennsylvania wrote because otherwise Georgia will ask for the same language in Michigan. And, you know, so, um, that's why Pennsylvania, you won't see charges. Okay. Um, so there are reasons. I mean, that's the thing that people need to understand is this all arises from state law. Um, in Arizona, you might see a similar kind of tabulators charge because the same people who were involved in Michigan were involved in an extensive, extensive attempt to undermine the vote in Arizona. Right. Um, and, and honestly, one of the things people need to understand is that um, Dana Nessel and Fonnie Willis are both elected prosecutors. Dana Nessel waited until after she won re-election. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, nothing going on. Fine, I'm just going to charge these assholes. She didn't say assholes because right. she's much smarter than I am. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, uh, and, and, you know, I'm sure that Dana Nessel didn't want to ruin um, Governor Whitmer's, Whitmer's ability to, to, to govern on a day-to-day basis. Fonnie Willis doesn't have to worry about whether Brian Kemp is right. competent or not. Like, right. She is only answerable to, to Fulton County's voters. So, you know, these, these scope, these who they serve, Fonnie Willis is serving the people of Fulton County, which happens to be, you know, Atlanta, but it also happens to be where Donald Trump tried to suppress the vote. It also happens to be, I, I read this profile or bar, part of a profile done the other day where after she heard the Raffensperger call, she was like, oh, I really hope he doesn't live in Fulton County. Like, oh, I hope it's <laughs> going to be somebody else's job to decide whether to pursue it. And sure enough, he did. And so it became her job to do. But um these these are there are, there are a lot of factors that go into who's getting investigated and who's not and some of them have to do with politics some of them have to do with first amendment and with uh, attorney client privilege mm-hmm. um two more lawyers were charged in the Georgia indictment which now means my number of attorneys investigated as part of this is is close to 35 which is astounding like that is 35 astounding. lawyers tied to trump uh either witnesses are now um now charged right um seven or something of them right yeah uh, and that's just a stat that that makes investigating this all very complicated and you know people need to understand that when they get impatient yes oh without a doubt we're speaking with marcy wheeler of course of emptywheel.net who covers everything happening with all these indictments and trump and prosecutions and and national security on top of that all that at emptywheel.net and i i so appreciate her willingness to come and talk with all of us uh, all uh, with us about all of this so i had a epiphany over the last day or so because vincent bugliosi came into my mind. Now, Vincent Bugliosi, of course, the famed prosecutor who prosecuted Charles Manson for the the the, uh, the Sharon Tate murders um, and wrote Helter Skelter about it. But some about 15 years ago, he was on my show a few times to talk about a book he had written called um, The Prosecution of George W. Bush for Murder. And in it, what he did was he laid out the case of prosecuting Bush for murder based on the war crimes and the whole Iraq war and all that. And he wrote this book as a roadmap for any state attorney, DA, anywhere in the country where people, residents, went off to war and were killed. That He, he said, I'm laying out the entire case for you. You can run with it. You can file these charges. And nobody took him up on it. Um, here we have a DA in Fulton County, Georgia, taking on the former president and and this massive case and i and i think that vincent bugliosi must be smiling from his grave somewhere that that she had the guts and the balls to do this because this is a pretty big deal that fonnie willis is taking on isn't it yeah and i'm sure she's getting death threats on a on a on a minute by minute basis and and um and you know honestly again another thing that delayed her ability to charge this aside from like uh, I talk about this a lot. January 6th committee didn't release transcripts until after her investigative grand jury had, had finished. Yep. And one of the things she discovered after that was that Christina Bob was on the call to Raffensperger. 
And she didn't know that. You know, that's the kind of thing that you would have wanted to sit Bob in front of the grand jury to find out about that the delay of those transcripts made it harder for people who were trying to bring criminal charges. Um, and, and that's one minor case. But the other thing about Fonnie Willis is there's a huge backlog of people who are jailed in Fulton County um, who, you know, it, it is a due process issue for those people who are awaiting trial, many of them pretrial detention. And so one of the things that Willis, I think, was trying to do was churn through indictments so that you get their day in court in process while you're preparing this. And it's, again, another factor that I think people don't really appreciate that um, while she only has to answer to Fulton County voters, she has to answer for... uh, for both keeping crime down in Fulton County, but she also has to answer for the due process rights of people who are charged in Fulton County. And and these are not easy issues to balance. Right. Now, the other thing uh, in her, the mini press conference that followed her announcement, I think she was asked like three questions or took three questions. One of them was, it was a question I wondered about too. There are 19 defendants in this indictment and a reporter asked are you planning on trying them all together and she said yes now jack smith i think very smartly says the non-lawyer here um charged only donald trump and the others are unindicted co-conspirators that charges can be filed later but jack smith wanting to focus in on holding trump accountable and getting this done before the election so the american people have an idea of what he's done before they vote she it, knowing that multiple defendants means multiple attorneys and multiple motions to delay and move on and th- that would preclude a speedy trial i would guess did were you surprised like i was when she said yeah i plan on trying them all together Well, I mean, you know, Jack Smith has said that, too. He said that in the stolen documents case. Alvin Bragg is on the is on the schedule for March of next year. All prosecutors are going to say that. Uh, And I think that by saying that, I mean, she, again, has different tools than Jack Smith has, partly because she's already charged everyone. Right. So. Uh, by saying that, is she going to get somebody like and this is just hypothetical. I'm not saying Sidney Powell do this. but Is she going to get somebody like Sidney Powell to plead guilty? Is she, you know, you will not see 19 people go to trial in six months, but you might see significant progress in that investigation uh, in six months. Like, I, you know, I mentioned that there are these two guys who are involved both in the fake electors and in pressuring Ruby Freeman. Well, there are phone calls involving them that she may not know the content to because she doesn't have a cooperating witness from those phone calls. But if somebody from that group, say Kanye's publicist flips, then all of a sudden you have a lot more meat on exactly who was involved, who was aware of the effort to pressure uh, Ruby Freeman. Um, And then you, then you tie the whole thing. Then, then it gets neater, right? So she's got cooperating. We know that she immunized um, many, if not most of the other fake electors, so 13. Um, and there are other people like there's this guy, Robert Sinners, who was a Trump campaign employee. He is co-conspirator four in the indictment. And you, you see him, he's all over the indictment because he was the guy running around Georgia making this happen. But even by the time he testified before the January 6th committee, and his testimony is quite interesting, um, he was like, I, I didn't realize how they were using this. So he early on said, I'm not a part of this. And so he's been cooperative to even the January 6th committee, presumably Jack Smith, also to Fonnie Willis. And so um, so there are parts of this conspiracy where Fonnie Willis has great witnesses, but there are parts where I imagine she's hoping to get better witnesses by the time trial rolls around, which may not be in, you know, sick. Right. The, thing about, uh, the other thing is Donald Trump is getting booked up, right? Like, so he's got... <laughs> He's got a civil trial for fraud in October, I think. He's got the um, E. Jean Carroll follow-up in December. December. He's got um, Alvin Bragg in March. Uh, Jack Smith is trying to do the January 6th one in January. (laughs) January January 2nd. Uh, he's, He's got the stolen documents in May, so... 
like the dude is going to be, and he has to be there for a lot of this. So the dude is going to be kind of busy while all of the other Republicans are running for uh, running for president. At some point, I think, you know, Republicans are going to be like, do we really want to invest our candidacy in this guy who has other occupations for the better part of 2022, 2024, whatever year it is. And, and it's not, you know, like he keeps saying, you know, why did DOJ delay this for two and a half years? Uh, Repeating, by the way, the same complaints you hear on CNN and MSNBC, both of which are false. Right. Uh, And one of the things that, MSNBC and CNN should be complaining about is that nine months of that delay were executive privilege claims that Trump launched after the Supreme Court, after Brett Kavanaugh said, there's nothing here. Like, you know, we're not going to intervene to these, you know, to to even lesser executive privilege claims. But he nevertheless um, held up the investigation for not it's actually more than nine months, but for nine months from like the first time that DOJ tried to get Mark Short to testify through the time that they got Mike Pence to testify in April. And so, you know, that's where it, if Donald Trump is complaining, uh, he should everyone should come back and say, well, you know, it's your own damn fault for launching all these executive privilege claims, because otherwise you could have been <laughs> on trial nine months earlier. There you go. Uh, and, and it goes on like that. Now, one one thing that uh, Fannie Willis has done, she said, um, I will leave it up to these 19 defendants to surrender. You have to come and and uh, turn yourself in. You have to do it before next Friday. They they also have made it known that they're open 24-7. So any of these 19 people can come in at any time, but they must do it before next Friday. They will all, including Donald Trump, be booked, be fingerprinted, be mugshotted, and put in jail. They will go behind bars. I don't know for how long, but even Donald Trump, will be required to go get fingerprinted, get his mugshot taken, and get in a cell. Do we know anything more about this? Because I, I can't imagine Donald Trump doing that willingly. Yeah, and the, the mugshot is also a big deal. His his prior three arraignments, he was also not mugshot. That's he right. was fingerprinted in at least two of them. But, um, but uh, you know, I, Fonnie Willis is not going to treat him with the same deference that DOJ is. Uh, for a variety of reasons, some good, some, you know, this is how it works. But, uh, but also because she has charged him with Rico, she has different tools to say, look, you know, um, this fundraising was the fruits of the crime. We're going to have to, um, hold this so that you mm-hmm. can't spend it until we go to trial. So we'll see, you know, we'll see. It's, it is, um, no one really knows what's going to happen. It's a scary time. There's a lot of violence out there. Trump is desperate. Um, but Trump is also still the owner of the Republican party or what used yeah. to be called the Republican party. And people can't overestimate that. And they shouldn't forget that, um, Thus far, marshals have succeeded in keeping the people that Trump has targeted safe. Um, and there is this delicate balance. Uh, Tanya Chutkin, the, the judge in D.C., I think is is very sophisticated and very smart. Like, you know, she um, she who, by the way, she was approved 97 nothing. Yes, she so, was. you know, yep. Chuck Grassley's aide is out there saying that she's far left. Well, Chuck Grassley uh, yep, voted, voted to, for her. to confirm her. So That's did right. Mitch McConnell. Um, she, you know, she, she is discussing it in terms of him being a defendant, not first amendment rights and him and needing to, to, she, she basically said, if, you know, if we need to go to trial quicker rather than, than longer, because you're out there attacking people so much, then so be it, we're going to do that. So each of the judges, each of the prosecutors is going to use different tools to try and manage Trump's, um, incitement. You know, understand that Trump is trying to become a victim. Trump mm-hmm. is trying to, um, and so, uh, it's, a, it's a delicate balance. And I think, um, it's easy for us to say, Oh, throw him in jail, you know, but that's actually not necessarily going to solve things. And it's not necessarily the right thing to do under, under pretrial release, the, the rules about pretrial release. So. But now, now Donald Trump is flaunting the uh, directives given to him by this judge. And she's like, you better watch what you say. I'm not gagging you, but there is a protect order of protection here. And you can't say these things. And yet he is. And you got 
I love the, the Twitter amplifying this shit. Now, Marcy Wheeler, you, it looks like you came up with a new name for Twitter, which it, it makes perfect sense. X-I-T-T-E-R. And if I get it correctly, the pronunciation of that would be shitter. Yeah, well, I, I don't think I came up with it, like a lot of things. Like, okay. big, big toilet salesman, not mine. I'm just adopting well, it. Well, X-I-T-T-E-R works, and since X-I is she, uh, it's shitter. That's the new name of the new Twitter. It's got to be shitter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, look, I think people, people, Donald Trump, uh, we think he's stupid. We think he's scared. He's not. He is, you know, he is a reality TV mastermind Mm -hmm. he is he is a demagogue and so he is using twitter and he is using shitter and he is using the virality of it to lure us to lure people who oppose him into being data mules for his incitement Mm -hmm. and we do it oh and i'm not immune i mean i do myself even as i criticize it but that is donald trump is hijacking you when you do that so that you serve the principles of fascism same way as getting people to say oh merrick garland delayed this nine mm-hmm. months when in mm-hmm. fact it was donald trump's frivolous uh executive privilege claims like that they that doesn't serve democracy if you are saying things that lead people to hate rule of law right and and that's unfortunately where a lot of the left has become and and become because they think that they're being critical when in fact they're they, they're just they're, they're playing upset. in they don't know enough details to comment wisely they they believe that their pressure works um and it you know it, it's not it, it we're not out of the woods yet we're nowhere near out of the woods no the indictment was not it was never going to be the silver bullet that people thought nor never like was, the Mueller report did. wasn't and and uh, on and on now marcy willer we're coming close to the end of the hour already and uh, my god it's just a font of knowledge and information and i thank you for it but there's one more story that i normally wouldn't even go to except if you turned on fox on uh monday night as the indictment was in they did cover a little bit of it my husband likes to watch it for comic relief it makes me crazy but he he thinks it's humorous um And, of course, they did a little bit of actual straight news coverage. But when they got into their personalities and their opinion, they went back to Hunter Biden because that's the only thing they've got. And there was actually breaking news in the Hunter Biden story since the last time we spoke, which is what tons of Republicans had asked for for a long time, which was a special counsel name the, the guy Donald Trump appointed to as it, as the prosecutor on this uh, to investigate uh, Hunter Biden, David Weiss, name him special prosecutor. Well, so Merrick Garland does that and they all freak out like he's the wrong guy. And um, so w- what's happening here? And do, is why? Why are we still talking about this? Um, what's happening is one, um, what hasn't been reported except by me is that Joseph Ziegler, one of the so-called whistleblowers was told that the reason they weren't charging this is because there's stuff in the case file that, that led prosecutors to doubt they could charge it at all. Okay. Yep. Uh, there, uh, we know there's six amendment concerns. We know there's Trump's influence concerns. We know that the way they dealt with the laptop was, uh, unbelievable worse than anything that had to do with carter page um and and i and i you know i'm confident that the laptop was hacked um and so those are the those are the base level of things that we know i know of other things as well so in other words if and when hunter biden gets full discovery um it's gonna be a shit show it already uh, is, but okay. And for whatever reason, David Weiss thought, like, I think what he was trying to do with the plea deal was to uh, trick Hunter Biden into uh, solving the things for which discovery would be a shit show so that he could start over and find something new to charge Hunter Biden with. Didn't work. So then he went to Merrick Garland and asked to become special counsel without telling Merrick Garland that he had already made agreements with Hunter Biden that he was about to renege on. Oh God! In the last week, in the last yeah, in the last what four days, he yeah. has reneged on them. Right. Um, and they're trying to pretend they didn't renege on them. They did. Uh, and meanwhile, Hunter Biden has changed from um, Chris Clark. 
a guy who is being fairly accommodating to DOJ because that's how you get a plea deal. Um, Chris Clark has, is dropping off saying, I need to be a witness to talk to prove that DOJ reneged on certain deals. Mm-hmm. And um, Abby Lowell, who's a legend and mm-hmm. who has a very good history at getting high profile people acquitted. Um, and he, Abby Lowell is now the lead attorney. And um, it's not a good thing. It's a, it's a ridiculous, terrible thing. Um, I don't think Merrick Garland did it because he's weak or afraid of looking political. I think that he has far too much trust in institutional DOJ people. And I think that that um, David Weiss pulled a fast one on him, pulled a fast one on Hunter Biden. And we don't know where it's going to go, but I can tell you it's going places where most people don't expect it to go. Wow. Okay. So, so yes, pay attention to the story for completely different reasons than Fox is telling you to pay attention to the story, but pay attention. And you know what? Follow along at emptywheel.net because you're the one reporting on it the way it should be reported on. I, by the time this airs, I should have a update of the stuff that I just laid out um, that happened in the last couple of days. Okay, cool. So, um, we are taping this Wednesday morning because Marcy's over in Ireland and there's a time difference. It'll air in the afternoon. But I will then refer you, as I always do, to EmptyWheel.net to get the update on this story. Uh, Marcy, we, we, we jam-packed this hour. Again, I can't thank you enough. You are, you're, you're an amazing resource, and I, I so appreciate it. And I know my listeners do, too. So thank you, and we will talk soon. Great to be on. Uh, we will talk soon. <laughs> uh, Marcy Wheeler, there you go. Um, and with that, we reach the end of the hour. I'm not even turning the camera back on. So uh, thank you for listening, everybody. No, this this wasn't a shit show, Chris uh, Frederick. The entire thing that we're living through is the shit show. Seven-year Trump shit show. Right, that's the shit show. All right, well, that's it. Um, tomorrow's Thursday, so Howie Klein will be here. Uh, you know, I'm at downwithtyranny.com. And um, yeah, and a treat. I'm hoping maybe by Friday we'll have the Pudding Fingers lady on. Remember, uh, go back to Florida, Pudding Fingers, Pudding Fingers. Remember her? I, I, I found her. So maybe Friday. We'll see. All right. Oh, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, this, this was supposed to end. Wait. Okay. Bye.